Freedom to Choose, brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, giving hope to people caught in the devastation of addiction. Hosts Rich and Susan Kohlenberg found freedom from 25 years of out-of-control drug and alcohol addiction. They are living testimonials, and in their series, The Kingdom of God, What Went Wrong with the Human Brain, Rich and Susan share messages on the problems we face and how Jesus Christ is the remedy to reasoning and thinking right thoughts. Learn how to break free from the chains that may bind you or your loved ones. Here's Rich and Susan on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And once again, we'd like to welcome welcome you to our series, The Kingdom of God Went, Went Wrong with the Human Brain. And for your reference, we are now on Program 21, Coming Out of Egypt, Part 5. And, you know, if you want to catch some of our previous programs, you can always go to www.justasiamministries.org, click the Listen Now button, and you can catch the previous programs, get all caught up if you haven't, if you haven't heard them yet. Um, and once again, we're, we're talking in this series about our birth defect, the fact that we're born infected, and, and, uh, and the infection, of course, being fear and selfishness. And where did we... Where did we get it, of course? We, we inherited it from, from Adam. Something happened in the garden. Adam became fearful and selfish, tried to protect himself, turned his wife in, and... Uh, changed his whole to genetic code, didn't changed he? Changed the genetic code, and so that's what we're talking about. Susan, before we get started, would you uh, open with a word of prayer, please? Yes. Um, our Father in Heaven, we thank you so much that um, despite our genetics, you give us the um, the ability and the power when we're connected with you to have changed lives. And uh, we just ask right now that you will send your spirit to be with us and to everyone who's listening that we may all draw closer to you and to understand more clearly the um, illness that we all carry around and the remedy that you have to cure us. We thank you, and we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Uh, now, let's continue now as we talk about coming out of Egypt and what that represented. Uh, now, what did we determine last time, Susan? We determined last time that the coming out of Egypt represents leaving the old ways behind. But it's not just the old ways the the behavior, but it's also dealing with a root cause, um, not just the symptom. You know, I'm glad you said the word root, root cause. We have a mow strip at our house, and that mow strip is raising up, and it's got cracks in it, and it's raised up about three inches, and it's starting to look a little bit unsightly. It's a problem, but the problem is not the mow strip. Right, it's what's what's buried underneath what's it. What's buried that's underneath that's the, pushing the it up. Problem. For me to fix the problem, I have to get down to the root, cut the root, re-backfill it, and then put a new mow strip in. Right, because what you could do is you could just go ahead and put a, a new a new mow strip. Tear out the mow strip and put a new one in, but boom, you're going to have the same you're gonna problem You're going to have the again. same issue. Right. See, the addiction is a symptom of something going on deep inside of an individual. Usually when a person's overcome by our hereditary condition of fearful and fearfulness and selfishness the addictive behavior follows right uh, addictive behaviors are 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 a def- our defense mechanism if you will 
And, and it's interesting because when we say addictive behaviors, it's not just about drug and alcohol. No. Take gossip for an example. Um, it's it's what we characterize as a behavioral addiction. But what's the root cause of that of that behavior? And it's insecurity, fear, and a selfish desire to make your you you look better than than others. And so when we come out of Egypt, these addictive behaviors, even though they need to cease, they're still a part of our root, our root mind, you know, the, the, the inner part of us. Yeah, you know, but most of the things we, we don't even know we have. See, we need something to kind of externally point this out. Uh, what was one of the? I, f- I can, you know, a lot of times uh, husband and wives like to point it yeah. out, and, and, and their partners, what's wrong with them, yeah, right? Exactly, exactly. That's kind of what went on when they came out of Egypt. What's one of the first things that God gave the Hebrews after they came out of Egypt? After they were dying of thirst, and He gave them water, and then they were starving, He gave them manna. Then He did something. What, what did He give them? He gave them a bunch of rules. Why? Well, because so that they could live together without harming themselves. So they could see what was wrong with their behavior. It's just like when you have an unruly house. Mm-hmm. In order to control the house, you, you, have you to gotta have some rules. Rules are for the immature. They are to protect the immature until the immature are, are mature enough to protect themselves. That's what rules are for. Right, because that selfishness just really overrides everything. Exactly. Now, was this the ideal? No, but it's the only way that God could treat his patients at that time. Right, because when Jesus comes, he like switches everything up. Mm-hmm. So everybody thought. Um, he he did something with the rules, and what was it? He actually explained the true meaning of those rules. Yes, yeah. If you pick it up here in Matthew 5, 21, uh, Jesus says, You've heard that it was said by them of old, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill, shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause should be in danger of the judgment. You've heard that it was said by them of old, 527, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Right. So what has Jesus just done? He has taken God's law to an entirely new level. All the law can do for us is to point out what's wrong. It's just like an x-ray machine or an MRI machine. There is absolutely zero healing power in the x-ray machine or the MRI. Uh, Those machines can only point out what's wrong, but they cannot heal the damage that is done. Nope. Christ does the healing. See, Galatians puts it real plainly in Galatians 3.24. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith or we might be set right or we might be put right. But after faith has come, we're no longer under the schoolmaster. What does that mean? We're no longer under the schoolmaster. Well, Well, why is there the MRI machine? It's to gather information for the doctor to make his diagnosis. And who is that machine for? Is the MRI machine for the healthy or for the unhealthy? It's for the unhealthy so that the problems can be pointed out. And then what happens? Well, after that, the doctor prescribes a treatment based upon what the MRI reveals. Is the MRI a part of the treatment or a part of the diagnosis? It's the diagnosis. After the diagnosis, the machine is no longer needed. Treatment is needed. Right. So this is where the problem lies, because we all do it. 
we we try to make God's law a part of the treatment. Yep. And there is no healing power in the law, just like there's no healing power in the MRI. The MRI is for sick people, and it sends us to the doctor. The same thing with God's law. It's for those of us that are sick so that we may go to the great physician to be healed. Exactly. So you got these sick people coming out of Egypt, see? And after God gives them the Ten Commandments, he gets very, very particular with the Levitical, the civil laws. Very descriptive. In fact, so descriptive, uh, it, like in Exodus twenty-one eighteen, when men quarrel and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist, and the man does not die be, but takes to his bed, then if the man rises again and walks outdoors with his staff, he who struck him shall be clear. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time, and he shall have him thoroughly healed. See, God's getting down to the very nitty-gritty. In case this happens, you children must do this. In case this happens, you children must do this. He's got to spell it out for them because they don't. See, the law is for the immature until they can gain the maturity to protect themselves. So why was God this descriptive? Why were there, why, and not only that, but why were the punishments so severe? So where were they coming out of? Egypt. And what was going on there? It was that they had lost their moral compass. Because many times people can look at that and read that in the Bible, and they behold that, and they love that that um, condemnation and that punishment rule that, that God had to use when they were, you know. To help needed... them keep them from killing each other. Exactly. But we want to say, well, that's what God is like. He wants to, you know, put the hammer down on you. Yeah. See, when people lose their moral compass, sometimes drastic measures and extreme consequences must be be put into place in order for the people to live amongst each other without harming one another. Right. So basically, they were in prison, worshiping other gods, and to some degree, they were all right with that, right? Because they Mm -hmm. said they would go, they'd rather go back. Let's go back. I mean, I'm okay with that. Right. You know, and addiction recovery just runs super parallel with this entire scenario of coming out of Egypt. From the blood on the doorpost to the Red Sea to the dying of thirst to the starving to the giving of the law, all the stages are necessary to help get the Egypt out of us. Yep. I mean, sometimes an addict will have to do what we call 90 and 90. That's 90 NA meetings in 90 days because the thought processes are so damaged that that's what's required to nurse them back to a healthier state of mind. The children of Israel were prescribed many, many years of very strict laws because their thought processes and their moral compasses were so damaged that that's what was required to nurse them back to a healthier state of mind. Right, because we're all recovering from the infection of fear and selfishness. We are all wandering in the wilderness. One of our great tendencies is to do what happens next okay. in, in the story of Exodus. And this is interesting because in 32.1, uh, the Bible says, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered up themselves to Aaron and said, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off your rings of gold that are in your ears and your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. And 
uh, Exodus 32, 4 through 6 says, And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast unto the Lord. And they rose up early, and the next day they rose up early the next day, and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Thirty-two seven, and the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Wow. <laughs> so Moses, Moses, he leaves the presence of God's glory. And even though he'd been warned of what was taking place, he wasn't prepared for what he was about to see. Yes. As he com- as he comes near the encampment, he sees the people shouting and dancing around the art- art- idol. And basically, it was a heathen riot, an imitation of the idolatrous feasts of Egypt. It was nothing like what he had just experienced on the mountaintop with God. And Moses was blown away. Yep. They had completely come out of Egypt, but Egypt had not come out of them. You know, and and when he saw him dancing around the calf, that's when he got angry. That's when he knew there was some sort of, sort of heathen worship service. Right. In Exodus thirty two nineteen, and it came to pass as soon as he came nigh unto the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses's anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hand and brake them. So the question is, why the golden calf? Okay, and and this is where it runs a real eerie parallel to addiction and addiction recovery because what this what well, and and let's back up not just that but to all of our to humanity mm-hmm. and humanity's efforts to change things up basically eliminate the fear that they're feeling right and protect oneself through false avenues yeah yeah and and so um it appears you know that I mean, from my research, that they could have quite possibly identified the golden calf with the Egyptian goddess Hathor, or even more likely, the god Ihi, the divine son of Hathor. Now, the the parallels are are incredible here of what they what the Hebrews were doing and what these gods represented. Okay, the Egyptian goddess Hathor came in the form of a cow or a woman with a cow's head or a woman with a cow's horns and or cow's ears. Right. She bore several other titles, including the golden one and mistress of music. She was the patron of love, motherhood, drunkenness, fun, dance, and music. So the worship of Hathor degenerated into immorality. And she is depicted in some scenes and statues as a sensual young woman. I mean, you can kind of picture it there. I mean, that's what that worship service was. It was a drunken orgy around a golden calf. Right. So uh, Ihi, Hathor's son, oh, but besides that, Hathor, this was interesting, because besides that, Hathor was the protector of travelers from Egypt to various areas, including Sinai. Which is where they had just gone. Where they gone, right. see? And Ihi, Hathor's son, had a nature that was sometimes coupled with the nature of the animal god who led the departed souls of the Egyptians through the quote-unquote desert of death. Hmm. Ihi then became the proper magical, mystical guide 
for the Egyptians traveling in the wastelands of Sinai. See, and so so basically they go back to what they know, back to, you know, and, and this is this is what we, we do. See, I, I, don't have a, I don't have a drug problem. I didn't have a drug problem, and I didn't have an alcohol problem. I had a sober problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, I had a so I didn't I, I I did not like myself sober. Right. So and, when you're trying to face life on life's terms, right. I needed a protector. Right. Alcohol was my protector. Right. Drugs were my protector. I got I got courage, false courage from those gods. So a lot of times we can be people that have um, money, or we can shop, and we can you, you'll get false courage for gossip. Right. We can get false cure, courage from putting people down. Any kind of behavioral or substance addiction is just a, another way of of numbing reality, self medicating, even even running from a problem without geographically uh, moving. Mm-hmm. You see, and so so it the parallels are almost eerie of what the children of Israel did. They uh, actually went back to Egypt without going back to Egypt. Right, because in Exodus 32, 4, the Bible says, and they said, "Here, they, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Amazing. I mean, wasn't the Red Sea just parted? Wasn't there... Uh, Water, water, fresh, went, water. fresh water where it was bitter. Didn't he rain manna? See, God brings us through trials. But then after the trial is over, we turn back to the old ray, forgetting how much we needed God, forgetting who really brought us through the trial. We go back to being self-sufficient until the next trial, and then we cry out again. Or in the case of the Hebrews coming out of Egypt, they couldn't wait for the Lord, so they returned to their old ways. Now, this is what happens with addicts who get clean and sober, then things don't happen just their way. Because remember, now they're entering into reality. Mm-hmm. And reality is where the pain is. Right. Right? And so things don't happen just their way. Maybe the pressure of life becomes too much. Or maybe this whole waiting on the Lord thing is just so foreign to them and scary that fear kicks in and they go right back to the old ways. This is what going, is going on with the Hebrews when Moses doesn't come down the mountain right away. Peter talks about this type of behavior for leaders and followers. Right, and uh, the the book Second Peter, we're going to do um, in uh, verse 2, 2 Peter two seventeen. These people are like dried up springs, like clouds blown along a sto- by a storm. God has reserved a place for them in the deepest darkness. They make proud and stupid statements and use immoral bodily lust to trap those who are just beginning to escape from among people who live in error. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of destructive habits, for we are slaves of anything that has conquered us. We are slaves of anything that's conquered us. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and it's disguised as freedom. You're free to do whatever you want. You, it's a dichotomy. You're free to sin, but you're not free to sin. Well, you're free to sin, but you're not free from the consequences uh-huh. of the sin. Exactly. Exactly. So you're free, like if, you know, I was mentioning money. If you're, you're free to buy a house that's above your budget, but you're not going to be free from the consequences of what's going to happen, you know, if you lose your job or if, you know, some 
you have some financial difficulties. There's, you know, so searching for things outside of ourselves to make um, us well um, that are not coming from God is where the danger is. Yeah. Okay, back to Second Peter uh, 2, verse 20. It says, If people have escaped from the corrupting forces of the world through their knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ— and then are again caught and conquered by them, such people are in worse condition at the end that they were in the beginning. It would have been much better for them to never have known the way of righteousness than to know it and turn away from that sacred command that was given them. Second Peter 2 verse 22, What happened to them shows that the Proverbs are true. A dog goes back to what has been vomited, and a pig that has been washed goes back to roll in the mud. You know, we got a new addition to our ho- household. Well, not, not our household. Not our household. <laughs> but to the to the barn out there. Uh-huh. Uh, and what's his name? His name is Elvis. And what is he? He's a big pot belly. I mean, a big pot belly pig. He's a big pot belly pig. He's he, big. Yeah, someone was moving and they needed to. Uh, they needed a home. Find form. a home. They need to find and and so. Uh, we went and we got the horse trailer and we went and we picked up this pig. Mm-hmm. And uh, Elvis is pretty cool. He's got his own personality and stuff. But there's one thing uh, that he does. We've, he's got a, uh, we got a little kiddie pool for him. And we fill that kiddie pool up with nice, fresh, clean water. Mm-hmm. And Elvis, he goes when it gets hot, he goes hops in that water. And then what's he do when he gets out of that water? He rolls in the mud. When he goes and he rolls in the dirt and he gets himself all dirty. you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just the analogy there. Where it says a pig that has been washed goes right back to roll in the mud. So that's kind of what happens with us. We can get washed by the by the regeneration of God, and then we, because of fear and selfishness, we go back to what we know, and we're we're afraid of moving in a different direction. Yeah, this like like we said earlier that it, this this whole waiting on the Lord thing is so foreign to someone that's coming coming out of addiction. And it's and it, not only that, but it's amazing because we think that we have control over things and God is trying to teach us that um, you have really have control over nothing except for forming your character. That's, that's it. You, yeah, you're, you would have... The decisions you make. Yeah, the decisions you make for keeping your side of the street clean, if you will. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, and I remember uh, the big book of, uh, of, of AA and I'll always remember that, this, this word where it talks about we want to be the director. We want to be the lead actor. We want to. We want to uh, right write if, the script. Right. If there's a play, if there's a we play, we want to do it all. We want to do it all. And if large. everybody would just play their part, the play would come off just fine. Mm-hmm. And see, that's that's. I mean, what was the first temptation? Ye shall be like God. Right. And it's been our desire ever since to control every situation because if everybody would just do what I asked, the play would come off fine. Everybody would be happy and it does life is not like that. Right. Everybody wants to be large and in charge of it, everything. Yeah. And it's just the way things are and basically it's because of fear and selfishness. And and the god of the god of the universe, our you know, our god who could you know, do whatever says I'm, you know, I've I've come as a human being that you can see what my ways are. Yeah, 
Uh, Watch how I act. Exactly. I'm showing you the laws of the universe, and it's it's by washing dirty feet. It's by cleansing lepers. It's giving people sight. It's 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 a healing and a restorative um, uh, principles. And but when human beings are in charge, we want to destroy. We're destructive. Yeah. Yeah. The Bible says when Jesus realized that all power on heaven and earth had been given to him, he stood up. And what did he do? He girded himself and he washed a dozen pair of dirty feet while he had dirty feet himself. That's that's what your God will do. He will wash your feet. That's what he he will not abuse power. God will not abuse power. He'll leave you to free. Do you like that kind of God or don't you? You know, it's, uh, it's, it's just amazing. You know, folks, we've got a workbook that we'd like to send you if you feel you might need one. It's a seven-step addiction recovery workbook. Um, and uh, just give us a call, 916-645-1297. And if you're new to the program, you can go to our website, and listen to the programs that have already been aired, www.justasiamministries.org, okay, and click the Listen Now button. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Do love them? Can I feel his pain and his Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose in the series, The Kingdom of God, What Went Wrong with the Human Brain? If you or someone you know is living in the captivity of addiction and having trouble finding freedom, Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that God does work miracles. They've created a seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for yourself, someone you know, or your church, Call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com and they'll send one to you. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. Contact them at 916-645-1297 or online at justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.